morning again. Um, it's just fun to recognize graduates. It's fun to see them take the next steps in life. And so um, just also thankful to be able to still be a part of that, even in, uh, when I'm not doing student ministry anymore. So uh, today we are going to continue our Family Matters series. And um, really what we're doing is just looking through some different texts from uh, the Bible to see what it means to be husbands and wives, to be families, to be parents, to be kids, all of these sorts of different things. And there's one passage of scripture that we really can't not focus on, which is what we're going to look at today. But before we dive into what that is, um, I want to just kind of say some things up front about this passage. I'm aware that there are, there have been people at different times who have taken um, Ephesians 5 and used it in a way that um, was not helpful, uh, maybe was even hurtful in different ways. Um, I'm aware of that. And so today, as we dive into this, just hear my heart. My heart is for us to understand what God wants us to do with this passage, not necessarily uh, what our culture or even Satan has tried to take this passage and use it for. Um, and I say that because we're going to be talking about, uh, in Ephesians 5, 21, we're going to be talking about love and submission. And oftentimes, I even had some moments today where some people asked me, like, are you ready to preach? And I'm like, yes, but <laughs> this is going to be like, it might step on our toes a little bit. But I want us to approach this with the idea that this is, this is what God intends. This is what God is looking for us to do. But maybe the way that we as humans sometimes understand these things or put these things into place doesn't always align with what God was calling. So um, we're going to be in Ephesians 5. If you're here in the room and you use one of those Bibles, it's on page 1159. And so we're going to read through this passage. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at it. But before we do, I need to give us some more context. First, what we're looking at here is what they call a household code. Now, what is a household code? A household code is, is this thing that the ancient world did fairly regularly, where, whether Roman or Greek, different societies would write out papers and treaties, treatises, treaty, um, yeah, papers. <laughs> they would write out these things to teach people what the family unit should do, how it should function, who's in charge, who does what, all of that, so that the family unit would not uh, be chaotic because just like we some we believe the household the family is a stabilizing force in culture the same was true back then as it is today and so people would write these household codes to help people understand what is your role in the house how do i how do you go about doing this and so what paul is doing here is that um, but the ancient world also was a little bit expanded the, the, the family unit was not the nuclear unit that we think about with mom, dad, and kids. It was extended. Grandparents typically lived there. There could be servants involved in this. And so these household codes would actually expand further than just mom and dad and kids. Um, they just helped with the, the, what the domestic behavior of a household should be. But unlike, unlike the codes of the time, this one with a Christian perspective actually addresses the people in the power seat 
more than it does those who are in the subordinate seat. Throughout this code that Paul writes here, he talks more to those in charge. So he talks to husbands. He talks to parents more than he does those who are, who are in the subordinate role, which is very different. And this isn't the only time he does it. He also does one of these in Colossians as he writes this letter to them as well. Because we have to think back for a second. When people came to know and follow and love and commit their lives to Jesus, in the ancient world, in the first century, they didn't have the Bible yet. And so they, we have these Christians who are trying to learn to live and love like Jesus, but they don't really know what they're doing because this is a new thing. Jesus gave them some commands and the teachings had been passed down, but love God and love people is great. That was the greatest commandments, Jesus said, but like, what do I do when my wife and I get in a fight? Like, how do I figure that out? And so Paul is trying to address some of these things in this household code. So we're going to start in Matthew 5, but we're going to start in verse 21, which is not actually part of the code, but we will, you will see why later on. So in Matthew, or Matthew, what am I talking about? Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know where Matthew came from. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then begins the code. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Submit literally means to arrange under. Submit means to arrange under. And so here... That is what Paul is suggesting, is that there is a hierarchy, yes, that wives you would submit to husbands. But in verse 21, he starts off with, submit to one another. No distinction there, which is super important, and we'll get to that later, but there's no distinction there as to who's submitting. And then in verse 22, he says, wives, submit to your husbands, but why? As to the Lord. And submission describes the self giving love, humility, and willingness to die to ourselves that is demanded of all Christians. Let me say that again. Submission describes the self-giving love, humility, and willingness to die to ourselves that is demanded of all Christians. So here, we, so here when Paul says, wives submit to your husbands, he immediately connects it to Jesus, right? He says, as to the Lord. As to the Lord. So the submission is not because the man is somehow greater or better or knows more about how to control a household. He's saying it because there's a, there's a hierarchy that God has established. And he's saying, but submit as to the Lord, as if you are following the Lord, submit to him. It says for the, in verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so we see this. This, this hierarchy that is put together. But again, remember what I said, sometimes this passage is used in a very unhealthy sort of way. I've heard people even joke about it. I mean, there's times that I jokingly say to Emily, submit. And that's what she does. She laughs. laughs. 
Like, that's cute, right? But we all know that there's, there's people, or we've heard about it, maybe we've experienced it, that take this in a very different way. That they want to rule with an iron fist. And please just hear me that that is not the intent of what Paul is writing here, nor is it the intent of what God would want. But we'll unpack that as we go. So let's continue in verse 25. Verse 25 here says, Husbands, now guys, it's our turn. And let, let me just pause for a second. Wives, you, you got three and a half verses. Gentlemen, we get a lot more. Because the responsibility, the ownness of all of this is actually on us. We don't love the submit word because our flesh is like, I don't want to submit to anything. I don't want to submit. Like as a guy, as the husband, I don't want to submit to anything either. Like, I am a red-blooded American. I don't submit. I rebel. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's how, that's how we sometimes take that, right? We take that word submit, and it becomes, oh. But then, guys, we, we get this. This is what we get. It says, husbands, love your wives. Easy, right? Bring her flowers. Take her to dinner. Easy, right? And just wait. Just as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her. Let's pause and let that soak in. Wives are asked to submit. Men, we, husbands, we are asked to love and lay down our lives as Christ did for the church. He continues on and he says, in verse 26, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle, or any blemish, but holy and blameless. So husbands, we have this call that is a little different, actually a lot different, where we are to love our wives in a way that Jesus loved the church, which is him laying down his life for the church. We lay our lives down for our wives for our families. It is our responsibility to present and help disciple in our home, grow our wives and our children in our home to be more like Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did for the church. It says right here that he presented himself, or yeah, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. I hope today, guys, we feel the weight of this. And even if, you're, even if you're not married, if you haven't been down that road yet, feel the weight of this. Because this is the expectation that we as husbands would love our wives as Christ loved the church. And it's interesting, and I, I want to make sure we don't miss this. This is actually revolutionary for the ancient world. Most codes didn't say hardly anything to the husband. Most codes basically said, make sure there's food and make sure there's shelter and do whatever you want. Actually, they didn't even say to do whatever you want because that was just assumed. Divorce was so easy that if, if the wife burnt a loaf of bread and you weren't pleased with that, you could just divorce her. It would make you want to be a real good cook real quick. <laughs> right? Like, that's how the ancient world worked. And here, Paul is going, no, no, no. In Jesus' world, in Jesus' kingdom, that's not how we do it. 
Husbands, you're going to lay down your lives for your wives just like Jesus laid it down, laid his down for the church. It's revolutionary. Paul's just looking at Jesus going, if, if we're going to be like Jesus, what would that look like? Well, that would mean that we would lay down our lives for our wives. Verse 28, we'll continue. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So Paul says, listen, you, if you don't get the first part that I just said, if you don't want to be just like Jesus, I'm going to take this track with you. And his hearers would have understood this. In Genesis 2.24, when Adam and Eve come together, it says that they become one flesh. We believe that in marriage, as the marriage is consummated, that you become one flesh. And so Paul here is saying, you guys have become one, so why would you not love her like you love yourself? Why would you not take care of her the way you would take care of yourself? He says, yeah, I mean, you feed yourself, right? You clothe yourself, right? You give shelter to yourself, right? Because he's also thinking about what Jesus has said. He's thinking about what Jesus has said when he says, love others as you would yourself. Right? The golden rule. Do unto others, right? And so if I have, as I have become married, as I have become one with my wife, why would I love her any differently than I would love me? And it's fascinating to me. Because I've, as I've come to this passage over, these, over the years, I just think, well, there, there's this hierarchy, and that's all I'm focused on. But what Paul is doing here is he's saying, hey, when Jesus said... We're to love each other. He meant we're all to love each other. And when Jesus says the last will be first and the first will be last and serve one another, he meant that for all of us too. And so then he looks at the, the, the home, the family dynamic and goes, so why wouldn't you do that in your own home? Why wouldn't you serve one another in your own home? Why wouldn't you love one another in your own home? It's, a, it's kind of a new idea that I don't think is new. Maybe it's just for me because I'm obtuse sometimes and I can't get it. But this is what he's laying out here. Is that we would, if we're going to love our neighbor, why wouldn't we love our family? Why wouldn't we love our wives? Why wouldn't we put them before us? And it's very clear in verse 32 that, that Paul is constantly thinking about marriage as it's connected to Jesus and the church. That marriage would be an image of what that looked like. As Jesus died for the church, died for us, that that would play out in a marriage. And the last thing he says in verse 33. However, each one of you, must also, uh, of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife must respect her husband. So now what do we do with this, right? Because this all sounds good. And um, some of us have heard these passages plenty of times where we've got to 
We've got to do something with them, right? James says we're not just hearers of the word, we're doers of the word, or we should be. So what do we do with them? Well, I want to start by saying this, that our perspective probably needs to change just slightly because in verse 21, Paul says, everybody submit to one another as unto the Lord. Everybody, not just wives, but everybody, married, single, divorced, widowed, whoever, Everybody submit to one another out of reverence to the Lord. That's crazy. But it makes complete sense, right? Jesus, when when the disciples ask Jesus, hey, we want to be the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus says, well, the last will be first and the first will be last. He says, you should be in a race to the bottom to serve those, to arrange yourself underneath so that you can lift up others. There should be a race to do that if we're following Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of our lives, that is part of our calling, that is part of our mission. And so then the next step you take is, so why wouldn't I do that in a marriage relationship? Of course I would. But times we compartmentalize, right? We, we say, well, Jesus, you can have this. Like, I might, be, I might serve and love this person who really looks like they need it, but when I get home, I want to just turn that off. And Paul would say, Why? You're a follower of Jesus, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're driving down the road, or whether you're walking out in the woods completely by yourself. All of those places, if, you have made your, if you've given your life to Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus. You live a consistent life. And so when we get to the submission idea, it grates at us a little bit. But the thing is, is maybe it should grate at all of us, regardless of our gender, because that's what Jesus and Paul call us to. I never really saw before. As Christians, we are called to love and to submit to one another. Just think about that. That, That's both of the things that Paul addresses in this code, right? Is to love and to submit. And you say, well, Drew, I don't see where it says, wives, you need to love your husbands. Okay, I'll show you. Ephesians 5, if you go up, verse 1. Verse 1, and it'll be on the screen, but you can find it as well. This is what it says. It says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. There it is. My calling as a follower of Jesus is to love all of you and my wife, to serve and submit to all of you, and if that is if you have given your life to Jesus, then that is a calling on your life too. And why is it so hard? Listen, if I'm going to just be honest, I don't want to love you sometimes. I don't want to serve you or submit to you sometimes. Just like a lot of you went, I'm not submitting to you, Drew, and that's cool. I get it. But this is what Jesus calls us to. This is what Paul calls us to throughout the New Testament. Throughout the the writings of Paul, he comes back to this over and over. And so we submit not just in the bonds of marriage. We don't love just in the bonds of marriage, though both of those places that still exists. We do it all of the time. 
But my flesh, my flesh hates that. Satan hates that. I know there's plenty of times that I do not want to love and I do not want to serve Emily. And it's by no fault of her own. It's because I'm a selfish, broken human being who needs a lot of Jesus. But that's, that's just where I'm at. I don't want to submit. Again, I'm a red-blooded American. I have independence and I fight for things and all of that. I don't want to submit. And at times I don't want to love. And it's hard because we go, but that person isn't even going to respect the fact of what I'm trying to do. And Jesus would say, yeah, that's probably true. But they're not going to return that in kind. Jesus would say, yeah, that's probably true. But that's not what he calls us as his followers to do. That we would serve, that we would love, that we would submit to one another. Because you know there's that, that passage about that they will know we are Jesus' followers by the way we love. Like if we believe that, then we should be doing this, not just thinking about it, not just obtaining that knowledge. This should be how we live our lives last point I want to make. Mutual love and submission will make your marriage thrive. Mutual love and submission will make your marriage thrive. I know this because I experienced this. Is that arrogant? Absolutely. But my, my marriage is great. One, because my wife is super gracious because I'm an idiot half the time. But I also know that when we first got married, it was not great. I'm reminded of this when we do marriage counseling because I forget that year one was not great. Emily brings it up and then I go, oh yeah, I was pretty dumb back then, wasn't I? I didn't really love or serve the way I should have. And when I think back on those days, whether we, and I forget maybe because it's selective because <laughs> I don't want to remember what an idiot I was. Or maybe um, because I'm ashamed of it. But I know that on a X and Y graph, and I'm not good with math, so it's really tricky for me to start doing X and Y graphs. But it would look like this, if this is that plane, which I don't remember. And then it starts to go like this. And somewhere down here, I didn't fully get it, but I stopped living only for me. And I started loving and serving in a way that I should. And now it's just been up and to the right since. Do we have our moments? Absolutely. I'm an idiot. She's going to be mad at me because I did something stupid. That's just the way that works. And you know what? I'm probably going to be mad at her because I don't, she's perfect. I don't know. Hi, honey. <laughs> But for almost 17 years, this is the trajectory we're on. My, my daughter in first service had to remind me of 17 and not 18. Um, but on 17 years, we've just been going up and to the right. Because we're both growing in this. We're both understanding that if we love and submit to one another, like that's just going to make us a 
better couple. We're going to be more intimate. We're going to be able to just have a better relationship. And let me challenge you with this. This doesn't just mean for marriages. You can have better friendships. You can be a better family member if you love and submit to those around you. Your relationships will thrive because this is what we're called to do. It's not easy. Satan's going to fight you every step of the way. Your flesh doesn't want to do it because it just feels like you're giving something up. But you are. You're giving up your wants, your needs, and putting someone else first, which is what to submit means, right? We're going to arrange underneath. Let's pray so that we can just get some help from God. Because I know this isn't easy. I don't want it to come off as it's easy. It's a struggle. It's a fight. But it's a fight worth having so that we can have relationships and marriages that thrive. So will you join me in prayer right now? God, we thank you for Jesus and his example. God, when we look at Jesus, we know that he did this, so he's not calling us to something that he didn't do himself. God, we need your help, though, because we aren't as good as Jesus. We're far from it. We're selfish, we're arrogant, we're sinful, and we need your help to shove that all aside and to live like your son did in a loving and a submissive way to one another. God, would you help us with that? Would you help us to love one another well? Would you help us to serve one another well? Would you help us to just remember that the last will be first and the first will be last? Let that just be a challenge to us this week as we go from this place that we would just take these steps to look more like you. God, help us to have your eyes for these situations. Help us to see each of these encounters in a way that uh, we can then bring glory to you through them. Help us to have your heart that would be transformed by you and by these things that you have brought to us. Help us to put our faith into action. And Father, let us serve and love others above ourselves. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all of these things. Amen. <laughs>